0: And welcome to a snowy Friday, but even though it's a little white out there, it doesn't mean stopping us here at the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gommerson.
1: Adam, it's great to be with you, and we have just the solution for what may very well be, in your case, cabin fever starting to set in. You know, in December, the snow is beautiful. It's a part of Christmas, so you're all excited about it. Or some of you, maybe. But then once December comes, uh, goes and January comes, it's not quite as interesting or fun for many of us. So, But we might be able to help you with those winter blahs. We're going to talk today about Master Arts Winter Production, Stand and Deliver. And I have a good friend of mine, Jonathan Schaefer, in the studio to tell us about it. But before we get to that, Adam, would you please... Uh, enlighten us with our quote of the day
0: All right, and it says here there will be no free rides no excuses you already have two strikes against you you, in your name and your complexion because of those two strikes there are some people in this world who will assume that you know less than you do math is the great equalizer when you go for a job the person giving you that job will not want to hear your problems ergo neither do I you're going to work harder than you've ever worked anywhere else, and the only thing I ask from you is desire. That's, uh, I b- believe, if I'm going to butcher it here, I'm not for sure, but that is, um, I believe, uh, Jaime Escalante with our quote of the day there.
1: And he is was, was a teacher uh, in an inner-city school who is the main character of the story that we're going to talk about in Stand and Deliver. And so at this point, I'd like to say... Welcome to the show to my good friend, Jonathan Schaefer. Thank you. Good to have you here. And we'll just jump right in with these questions. And as always, Adam, if something jumps out at you and you want to jump into the conversation, feel free. Absolutely. All right, Jonathan, to start things off, how long have you been involved with theater?
2: Well, I've been involved with uh, community theater off and on since 2002. Uh, Started with uh, Riverbend Players, did a little with uh, Circle Theater and And now I've been with Master Arts Theater since about 2003.
1: Uh, I've been in and around Master Arts for about that long as well, and it's been an exciting place to be. A lot of good theater being produced there and a lot of good friendships coming out of there as well. And I definitely count you as a very good friend, and so I appreciate this opportunity to sit down with you in the studio.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
1: Well, uh, can you tell us how many shows you've done with Master Arts?
2: At uh, last count, including Stand and Deliver, that'll be seven. As long as I can remember. (laughs) Sometimes I forget.
1: And uh, you were in Oliver this past fall, and you were in It's a Wonderful Life for the Christmas show with me. And now you're in Stand and Deliver. So one would begin to imagine that you might be trying to go for the full season sweep.
2: Well, yeah, I, uh, the most I've ever done in a row is two, and this is my first trifecta. <laughs> um, and I'm, I guess you could say I'm kind of tired. So, uh, no, I'll I'm probably sure. be taking a break here after this one.
1: All right, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> he should have and, his own
0: parking spot by now, you know, with all those yeah. shows he's in at Master <laughs> yeah, Arts.
1: Definitely. The uh,
0: dressing you, room and everything. right?
1: <laughs> if you know anything about the people that work at Master Arts, you know that once you walk through the door, you never know what you're going to get roped into. As a matter exactly. of fact, before we get into the remainder of this interview, I just have a funny aside about It's a Wonderful Life, which Adam and I both participated in. And that was our last show that we did for It's a Wonderful Life was a sunday matinee jonathan wasn't able to participate in that one but we were we were about 45 minutes to curtain and the person that plays potter's goon if people have seen the show didn't show up and he was still at home waiting for a ride so lo and behold the father of the young man that played young george and pete bailey came in to drop his son off stopped to use the restroom before hitting the road, and we railroaded him into being the goon for that (laughs) performance. So that's the kind of thing that can happen around Master Arts. you got to be careful.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: So moving right along, what was your favorite show that you've done at Master Arts?
2: I think my favorite show was uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I played the lead role of Atticus Finch. Um, For me, it was a very challenging role. Uh, it was a very emotional, emotionally draining role too. Um, the The whole issue of racism and and what was carried on in in uh, that that show there. Um, the message of the story was great, and uh, what I really loved about the show at Master Arts, you got to understand, if you've never been there, it's a very intimate setting. It's a small converted church converted into a stage most people walk there as as adam had said earlier um off off uh off mic here uh you know you walk into there and it's like what in the world how are they going to do a show where's the stage uh but then most people walk out of there thinking man that was awesome um for that particular show we had what's called alley staging so we had audience on both sides of the the stage and uh the scene where atticus talks to the jury uh was was wonderful because uh the audience becomes the jury and i turn from my my character or my fellow uh actors to the audience and plead with them to set the uh the uh, defendant free uh very emotionally draining there too, you know, (laughs) trying trying to convince the people of the audience and you can see it in their faces. You know, some of them, I, there was one or two of them that I would turn and look at and they're already bawling their eyes out and I have to turn and look away and find someone else, you know, find another victim.
1: I, I, I worked on crew for that show. And so I was there for a number of the performances and I was one of those people that got to sit in the audience for a few different ones. And I was bawling, by that point because i'm a very emotional guy anybody that knows me personally knows this and so i'm one of those people that he's talking about yeah and actually he had mentioned to me a few times that it helped him that i was so emotional because it really helped him to drive the character oh yeah so hmm.
2: yeah i uh i tend to play off the audience it's easier to for me to have an audience than to just rehearse yeah because when you rehearse you have you know yeah, that sounded good. Eh, I'll try that. We'll try something different here, but when you have the audience there, no two audiences are the same. I found that out That's too. very true. Um so no two shows are ever alike. But uh yeah, it's uh it's it's a wonderful experience to be on stage like that, to have an audience that you can play off and uh uh do the show.
1: And I would add that the same thing is true when I preach. I've tried to recreate sermons just by preaching them in my bedroom, and it doesn't do the same thing. I can't get the same emotion, can't get the same results out of my voice. Now, granted, it's it's more than just theater because I, I rely on the Holy Spirit to direct me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can definitely relate. Well, moving right along, the main reason that I asked you to come in uh, today is that we are highlighting Stand and Deliver, which is the winter 2014 production for master arts theater. Could mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about the story behind sin? Well,
2: we've got a little bit of it, uh, mentioned earlier on in this, uh, podcast. Um, it's a story about, uh, a gentleman named Jaime Escalante. Uh, he was a teacher at a, uh, East Los Angeles high school that was, uh, uh, in a, an area that was really run down, a lot of gang activity, a lot of problems with dropouts, um, uh, in, in the school. Uh, Jaime himself was, uh, an engineer and he gave up a career in engineering to come teach, uh, math at the school. And the school being ill-funded, uh, was also in imminent danger of losing its accreditation at the time. So a goal was kind of set to, uh, have a class of students take the advanced placement test in calculus, uh, to try and turn that, uh, Academic probation around okay um an exam that uh is so demanding that only about two percent of uh students nationwide seniors uh will take this test <laughs> wow, let alone pass it right so you know it's uh uh definitely a true story or uh, it's a true story um kind of a david Goliath type thing you've got a mountain standing before you and you must conquer that mountain. how are you going to do it with this group of people who they don't even want to. As far as they're concerned, their life is, yeah, I may finish school, I may drop out and go work for my uncle Nando or something like that, and, and uh, go work down at the whatever. Uh, for, the, for the females, it was basically, we get married, we have kids, you know, and no future. And it was just a rundown area. Um, it's a great story, um, very inspirational. You have the kids, they uh, they decide that they're going to take this test, and Jaime prepares them to take that test. They do take the test, and then they're accused of cheating. And I'm not going to give away any more, but uh, the the rest of the story kind of carries on from there and how they uh, uh, come out of that.
0: Now, I wanted to ask real quick, too, and maybe miss missed this earlier. I apologize if I did, but is this based on a true story? Yes, sir. It is. Wow. Yes, so in fact. this really um, happened.
2: Yes, this actually happened, uh, this particular story, uh, Jaime, I believe, started at this school, late 70s, early 80s, and the setting for this show is like 1982. Okay. Um, they made a movie uh, later, I think it was the late 80s, also called Stand and Deliver. Um, Edward James Olmos played the uh, the character of uh, Jaime Escalante, and Lou Diamond Phillips was also in it. He played Angel. Okay. Uh, one of the kids who was in the school is also in the gang. Um, Very good movie, very inspirational. Um, In fact, uh, Mr. Olmos uh, studied Mr. Escalante and tried to get as much of his uh, characteristics into the movie as possible. Uh, So that was one of the things that we did to prepare uh, for uh, this play is we have copies of the movie that we watch or have watched uh, so that we can know the story if we've never seen it before. I've seen it several times. And it's one of my favorite all-time movies.
1: And, and that's kind of an interesting discussion right there because I know the first time we went to and through and did It's a Wonderful Life because I've done it twice now for Master Arts. first time we did it, they said, absolutely don't watch the movie. Mm-hmm. and But I think we kind of suffered for that because we actually had a press review that wasn't very favorable because they thought you we were trying to imitate the movie. Mm-hmm. and the people in question that they were uh, having a problem with had never seen it. So to, so I think it is important that if you're going to recreate a movie on stage, which is essentially what you're doing, then it's good that you are watching the movie. So that sounds like it's a good plan.
2: Right. That's one of the dangers of, of uh, doing a play with that has been made into a movie is uh, if you're watching the movie, you tend to want to, be exactly like that character played on the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh that can be a little dangerous because people will come to the play and it's like yeah you're no jimmy stewart or anything right. like that you know yeah. so uh sometimes it's good for character development other times it's it it's not but uh, for this it was more or less to know the story to to kind of get that inspiration uh, uh what this story is all about
1: all right well that leads mm-hmm. into a question about who do you play
2: I play uh, Principal Molina. Uh, He's the uh, principal of the school, and he's kind of caught in a tough spot. He's got, excuse me, um, his school is uh, facing academic probation and loss of accreditation, and he's got to figure out a way to turn that around and enter Jaime Escalante to kind of tip the coffee cup over, as you might say. (laughs) And uh, he's got to make a decision there.
1: Well, I have not seen the movie and I haven't seen the play yet. But one thing that sticks out of me, out at me from things I've read about the story is that he did something that I think is so crucial even today. And that is to not um, allow your children or your friends or family to become the victim of low expectations. Um, those of you who have listened to this podcast with regularity know that I am in a wheelchair and that I've had a lot of challenges in my life. The main reason why I'm able to do things like go to churches and preach or do theater with master arts or, uh, do this podcast is because I have parents that never allowed me to say I can't, mm. they never allowed me to pack it in or quit. They've always expected the highest things from me, and so that's why I've accomplished what I have, because I had parents that believed in me, and I think a lot of those same themes come out in Stand and Deliver. Mm-hmm. These people, from what I understand, finally have people that believe in them, and I really think that can make all the difference in the world.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So, um, what, particularly, as you've been trying to immerse yourself in this character and become this character... What's one of the biggest things that sticks out to you?
2: About my character? Yes. Well, I was looking in the character notes at the beginning of the the book, and it says that he is a, it describes him as a tough guy with a heart. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm not so tough. (laughs) Just a guy with a heart. Just (laughs) a guy with a heart, you know. My kids would say differently. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, the guy with the allowance, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I figured. But uh, I see uh, Principal Molina is being caught between trying to find a way to turn things around for the school and uh, uh, the another character who is a very cynical head of the math department for the school. Um, she's very cynical and says, you know, we, yes, we do have to find something, but this is going to just dash their hopes because you're just building them up for failure. Um, but Molina becomes an ally of Jaime Escalante and, and his unorthodox method of teaching, uh, which ultimately becomes very successful. The kids kind of latch onto that and latch onto him. So Molina takes a uh, chance on Jaime's suggestion to have the students take the AP Calc exam, knowing that having been warned by this uh, the the math department head, knowing that uh, if they fail, their self confidence will be shattered. Oh yeah. And there's no returning from that. So it's uh, he's he's desperate to turn things around um for the school, for his career I suppose, but throughout the play as he becomes an ally, it's more about the kids than it is about anything else. Because as you look outside of the school, you see the 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 city they live in, the barrio as they call it. Uh, it's run down, it's low income, and there's crime and gang activity and drugs, and, and it's just a depressed area. Mm-hmm. And here's suddenly a little light of hope that Molina can latch onto and and say, you know what, this is going to do more than just help the school. It's going to help our community.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, you and I both know, and Adam as well, now mm-hmm. that he has seen the show especially, know that Master Arts is committed to producing high-quality, wholesome content from a Christian worldview. Uh, this, is, I'm sure, is a good show, uh, as they all have been, but it's a little more mature than some shows that Master Arts does. Mm-hmm. What should parents keep in mind when considering uh, what, a, what children to bring to this production?
2: Well, Stand and Deliver is a bit edgier than the typical show that you may see at Master Arts Theater. Probably more like a PG-13 than a PG-type show. Okay. Um, To Kill a Mockingbird was much the same way, uh, Mm. which uh, dealt with the issue of racism head-on and was somewhat peppered with the N-word throughout. And it was one of those things where, you know, as and I'm sure that the the staff at Master Arts looked through uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and wondered, ah, I don't know, you know. Right. This is going to be really edgy, and eh, we might lose some patrons or whatever, you know. Um, but it's I a-
1: actually remember having some discussions with Pris McDonald, who directed it, mm-hmm. and she said, is there anything that you definitely think, is there anything of the edgier sort that we can take out? You know, she asked me this question that we can take out and not compromise the message right. of the... Of the story, because the fact of the matter is, even though *To Kill a Mockingbird* is not a true story, um, it still dealt with real issues. Yeah. That need to be faced head on, and people need to know that these issues exist. And so, I think that's part of the problem that you face, even with this story. Right. Is there's real issues that need to be faced in a real way, at, you know, without trying trying to avoid being offensive, but at the same time knowing that sometimes reality hurts
2: exactly and stand and deliver like I've said is it's intense at times and it deals with some in-your-face issues like gangs violence drugs discrimination and so on um, I would strongly caution parents about bringing their kids uh, I believe that the message of the show is one that needs to be heard but it may be too intense for the kids maybe um, if the parents would maybe grab the uh, the DVD of the movie and watch that uh it's not quite as intense as the movie mm-hmm. um in in some of the uh, uh preparing for rehearsals of that uh, there was a there was a few few uh lines and things scenes that were cut um partially to shorten it, so it's not too long and another part so it's not so edgy that it's just you know blasting people away
0: right.
1: All right, well, that sounds like some good wisdom on that front. And, again, uh, Master Arts will uh, return with the much lighter leaving Iowa in April. (laughs) So if you want to have um, something good to look forward to this spring for your whole family, make sure you check that out. Right. Uh, So, Jonathan, can you tell us when the show runs?
2: Well, the show starts Thursday, February 13th, and runs through March 1st. Um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. each night. And then on Saturdays are also a uh, 2 p.m. matinee.
1: And how can we get tickets for this show?
2: Well, call Master Arts Theater. That's the only way really to uh, to get a ticket. You can either call or show up and reserve a ticket. Their phone number, can I give that on the air? Yes. Earth? All right. 616-455-1001.
1: And it is a good idea to get your tickets ahead of time. Yes uh, because a sellout for Master Arts is about 98.99 people. And so <laughs> yep. uh, they've been known to sell out entire productions before they open in yes. various ways. I'm not sure this one will sell quite as fast, but make sure that you call them in regular business hours um, as soon as possible, perhaps even while you're finishing listening to this podcast or at least maybe press pause. <laughs> well, you call them, right? Yeah, and then you can play it once you come out of that phone call. But I think that, especially for the older uh, people in our audience and older teens, this will be a good thing to go and see mm-hmm. and come to grips with some of the reality of what some people have to go through. Because I think some of us live fairly sheltered lives, and so it's it's good to to hear about people that uh, have overcome adversity. Because yes. adversity happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily about whether adversity happens to you. It's about how you respond to it. And so hopefully this will encourage people that they can rise above their circumstances and not be under the
0: circumstances. Absolutely. Right.
1: So if you could sum up kind of what we've been talking about and give people the biggest reason why they should take the time to come and see Stan and Deliver, what would you say?
2: Besides the fact that I'm in it. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. well, that's a pretty big a reason. <laughs> well, have two big reasons. So. Okay, okay. That, that's yeah. okay.
2: Well, this story is uh, it's a story of inspiration, showing us that no matter what the circumstance, you can accomplish wonderful things if you don't quit. Uh, we have a great cast of students, and that really is what the story is all about, the students. Uh, they share their story with emotion and feeling that will win your heart and make you want to cheer them forward. Uh, with the same words of their teacher, Jaime Escalante, if may I may take some from the the play here. At times I was afraid I didn't have the desire anymore, but I never thought I was beat, never. Like it or not, you're going to be tested the rest of your lives, and the only time you fail is when you quit, when you let them take away your spirit, your desire.
1: All right, and as we've talked about this in terms of living um. In the natural life, we can definitely apply this uh, to the spiritual life. Uh, The Proverbs say that a righteous man falls seven times and yet gets up again. And so we can make spiritual application that God is always with us and that if we make mistakes, he can still use use us. I'm living proof of that, and I hope and pray that you are too and that you are encouraged today to continue to serve the best of masters. For my executive producer, Adam McNutt, this is Andrew Gamson saying, have a great weekend.